We're down here in verse 45. Actually, the goal tonight is to finish the chapter, which we can do it. Uh, we've just uh, came out of the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, that, uh, what that miracle is all about, that, that miracle sits in all four Gospels. So it is extremely important in the picture and the description here. And now we come to where the Lord walks on the water. And again, this, pat, this miracle is found in Matthew, Mark, and in John. It's not found in Luke. So it is very, when, when you find these miracles in more than two or, you know, when you find them in three of the gospel accounts, then it's, okay, we need to pay attention because it is painting pictures. Now, if you look at verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Obviously, the walking on the water is connected to the feeding of the 5,000 because he's going to say there, uh, verse 45, verse 44, and they did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. So this is happening immediately, and again, Mark gets to the bottom line. Mark is not interested in all the discourse. He's not interested in a lot of details. No one cares what the servant says. No one cares about what the servant felt and feels. No one cares about lineage or anything. That servant is there to work, and that's what we want to see is can they work. So, again, the, these two are connected. They don't get the, the – uh, <laughs> they miss the picture of the 5,000 – and what it was all about, so guess what they're going to miss? What the walking on the water is all about. So, again, the disciples are uh, a little slow here on the get-up, and they're, they're not quite getting it. So you got to get the first to get the second is kind of what is being presented here. So Mark, again, bottom lines it for you. He's right to the bottom. He's right in to where everything is. And with the feeding of the 5,000, we have uh, really, uh, and, and really the walking on the water and several of these other miracles here that we've already seen are dispensational in nature. In the scripture here, it's time, these miracles are designed to confirm the message that the Messiah in, and the little flock are teaching. That is the gospel of the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the, the issue here of, a, of an offer by Christ, by the Messiah, of, uh, uh, of an opportunity to become part of the little flock, the believing remnant, and an opportunity to be fed in the 5,000 to be provided for. So the issue of the feeding of the 5,000 goes back there to Psalms 132, in verse 15, we saw this last time, whereas Jehovah, he is going to satisfy the needs of his people, the needs of the poor. He's going to take care of those of the, the needs of his people. And that's what he's proving. I am fill in the blank, Jehovah. I am blank. Whatever you need me to be, Israel, that's what I will be. We have those five compound names back in Exodus. We have, there's actually, I think, like seven or eight total nine maybe even ten where he comes in and he he says here whatever israel needs me to be that's what i'm going to do so in the feeding of the five thousand he's providing for them he they're out in the wilderness they're they're not in town they're not in the they're out there again he fed them in coming out of exodus the book of the revelation he'll feed them in the future and here you're seeing a picture of Really, Israel in that 70th week of Daniel. Israel in the tribulation. What are they? They're in need. So he provides the need. He sets that table in the wilderness. There it is. Now, followed immediately after that, verse 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, uh, Bethsaida, it's really, a, just a, it's, it's really just kind of across the Sea of Galilee, but it's not across the middle anymore. It's kind of down around 
couple miles south, so they would really go down the should go down the coast really to get there. So it's kind of like in Chicago, that's where I'm from, Lake Michigan. The lake, uh, the state Michigan is literally directly across, but Indiana touches it down at the tip. So I could go to Gary via the lake. I'm not going to go over and down. I'm just going to hug the coastline. That's the idea, okay? Verse 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. Again, notice even. It's nighttime. Uh, he, he's sent them away. He's up on the mountaintop. It's nighttime. And again, night in the picture in Scripture, the type is the issue of tribulation. It's the issue of trouble. It's the issue of despair. And he's sending, uh, notice he sends them out, sends them away. Again, he's sending them out. He's OJTing them. He's training them in his absence and he moves them, and he sends them away in his absence. He watches them, verse 48, and he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he came unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, so the miracle is him what? Walking on the water, that him coming to them. That's the miracle. But notice the whole, you've got to get the whole picture here. He sends them out, then he goes up on, up on a mountain there. Uh, he departed, verse 46, into a mountain to pray. That, that's going to be a picture of him sending them out, his ascension up into heaven. Hebrews talks about him going in as the high priest up on high, making the intercession and so forth there and fulfilling out the, the, uh, the, the atonement issues. And he does that. And he, now he, sitting up on high, he sees them in turmoil, toiling. They're in trouble. So what does he do? He returns. So you've got this great picture happening here of his return, his second coming, his second advent, as they say. So dispensationally, what's going to happen here? He's going to die. He knows it. They don't know it yet. They don't understand it. He hadn't explained. He hadn't said a word yet to him about it. He's going to die. He's going to what? Go away. He's going to his ascension. And when he ascends and he goes up on high, then what's going to happen? He's going to look down and then he's going to return. Uh, come back over to Job chapter nine. So the idea here on the walking on water and him going out and the miracle, Job chapter number 9, is really him demonstrating himself to be Jehovah. He will, Jehovah that will provide their needs, feed the 5,000, but now he's going to demonstrate himself with the walking on the water as Jehovah as he's going to provide for their protection, for their safety. And he, you, you, he is going to take care of them. So when they go out on the storm, into the storm of the tribulation, he'll be the one to provide protection for them. While they're in that storm, the tribulation, why? Because he's Jehovah. That's who he is. And he's demonstrating that. Job 9, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? How do you become just before God? Boy, that's the question of all ages. Uh, they ask Peter in Acts 2, men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? Acts 16, the Philippian jailer asked Paul, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? That is the question. And so the answer. If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. He is wise in heart. By the way, the, he's going to describe, he's describing God now. That's what Job's doing. Job's describing the connection between God, creation, and the creation of man. Why did he create man? Here it is. 
So he's talking here about God. Notice what he says. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered, which removeth the mountains and they know not, which overturneth them in his anger, which shaketh the earth out of her place and the pillars thereof tremble, which commanded the sun and it riseth not and sealeth up the stars, which alone spreadeth out the heavens, and here it is, and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Who is it who can walk on water? Only Christ, only Jehovah can. Only God can do that. Now, we tend to play with that when the winter time's in and the lakes are frozen and we go out and walk on water, right? Take a picture, walking on water, you know, and it's frozen. But in real life, in real time, my swimming pool with the storm the other day just filled with debris and junk from the air. So you know what I did? I went and walked on water. Not really. I went in and I got it cleaned up. And you, but I had, I, if I'd have stepped in, I'd have been cold and wet. <laughs> That's the deal here. Come over to uh, Psalms 104. So <laughs> the, in, it, notice it's connected to creation again where he can rule and run creation. He's the creator. Now, if the disciples' heart had been where it should have been, and their understanding been where it should have been, you know what? They'd have got it. They wouldn't have missed him when he walked out. And we'll see that in just a minute, because he goes walking out there, and he literally walked by them. And then they're like, oh, my goodness, there's somebody, you know, and they, thought, they, they think it's a ghost or a spirit, the verse says. Look at Psalms 104. Look at verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God. Excuse me. <clears throat> Thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with light as with a garment. Who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. That all of that is creation. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. Notice that. He can walk through that storm-tossed, wind-blown sea to them. Who can do that? Only Jehovah can. And so when he sends them, come back to John 6. So when he sends them out, and he sends them out there on their way, you know. He, and he goes away and up into that mountain. Then when they're in a mess, they're in the great wind. John 6 is the, count, is the uh, other part where it's uh, this walking on this, the storm is. This, <laughs> he can do what? He can come and rescue him, but only he can. Look at John 6. Uh, the first 14 verses are the feeding of the 5,000. Verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come uh, and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was dark and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. And there it is. Who can walk on the wings of the wind? Only, the, only Jehovah can. Now, the wind, the great wind here, is a picture. And it's a picture of something very important that we need to, to grasp. Come back with me to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And this issue here, hold on to put something in John 6, because we're going to come back there in just a second. Well, actually, you know what? You can let John 6 go. Get Daniel 7. Daniel 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night. Now again, night, tribulation, trouble, turmoil. And behold, now watch, the four winds of the heaven 
strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. Do you see that issue of four winds of heaven on the sea? Now, the great sea, the sea in your Bible usually talks about population, peoples. When, when it talks in Revelation about the, the beast that comes out of the sea, it's not coming out of Mediterranean like a dragon walking the earth. It's, a, it's actually coming out of the people, out of the Gentiles, out of the nations. So what you're reading, by the way, you go on down now in verse 4, 5, 6, and 7, and he describes these four great beasts, and they are literally kingdoms. They're, they're nations, but they are the kingdoms that make up the course of the world of the day. So w we get a picture here in Mark 6. When they go out and they're in the water, they're on the sea and the winds pick up, they are in the middle. In, in, in prophecy, the setting is the tribulation. They're now going to go into the midst of the opposition coming from the, from the world out there, the course of the world. So when you come back to Mark 6, don't lose the, the picture here as we get, kind of get into some of the details of what's happening. What's taking place is 645, and straightway he commanded his disciples to get into the ship. They're going to get into a ship, and they're going to go to the other side, and they're going to do some things, and before they can get there, the storm rises. So literally, Christ is sending them into the storm. He's sending them into the 70th week of Daniel. He's preparing them. He's teaching them. He's training them. But their job is to go into that 70th week, that seven-year time, get through it, endure to the end, get through it, get then go over and inherit the kingdom. So when you come back to Mark 6 here, there, the, the, what did he do in the tribulation? Feed, fed them, provided for them. What's he going to do in the tribulation now? He's going to protect them. Now we can go home, okay? Or Q&A. But see, that's the picture. Now watch verse 45, Mark 6, 45. He tells them to get into the ship. So when they're out there, he sees them toiling. There in verse 48, and he saw them toiling in rowing. So, verse 47, and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea. Now, that, where are they? They're in the midst of the middle of the sea out there. They shouldn't be there, see. They should have stayed along the coast and worked their way down. So, what did the storm do? The, what did the contrary wind do? Verse 48, it pushed them out there. It pushed them away from where they were supposed to go the the wind was so bad that it moved them off course what's that 70th week going to be like it's going to be that way it's going to be so bad that it could even push that believing remnant off course that's why he will say if it he shortened the days for the elect sake because if he'd let it run its course no flesh would have made it so there's a thing here going on that Yes, the Lord sends them out. He's training them. He's getting them ready. He's going to send them out, and he sends them right into the, the teeth of the, of the storm. They're toiling. Now, Peter and the guys are commercial fishermen, so they know what it is to row in the storm. They're out there working hard. They're toiling and rowing. They don't have the sails up. They've pulled the sails in. They... <laughs> they're trying to not get shipwrecked. They're working, and they're working hard. And they're, you know, the thing would be, why didn't they just go back the way they came? Well, they've already been scolded for that, if you will remember. Come back to chapter 4. If you'll just kind of remember chapter 4, look at verse 35. And the same day when the even was come... He saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, and he even uh, 
as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of the wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, sleep on a pillow. What did he do? He said, we're going to the other side. What was his word? We're going to the other side. I trust you guys to get us to the other side. He went down, put his head on the pillow, so he was really relaxed and was asleep. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Faith in what? Faith in his word. What was his word? Let's go to the other side, guys, and you can get us there. Now, the thing of it is, in chapter 6, he's not with them. He's up on the hill watching them. But what, do they, what have they learned? He said, go to the other side. So what are we going to do? We're going to the other side. And we're not raising the white flag. So they, they learn from the previous experience to obey his word. Yet here, the opposition is so contrary. Go back there to Mark 6 now. So contrary that they're in trouble. They're toiling. They can't, they can't get it. And again, the lesson here from them is he'll, he, he will be there for them in the middle of that storm. And because, again, he's preparing them for what's coming. The trib isn't there yet. You know, we did that thing earlier in Mark about, you know, the 69 weeks ends with that, with that day when he goes into the city on the, on the donkey and everything. We call it Palm Sunday, okay? Religion does. That ends the 69th week. And then after that comes Calvary. So we get into this gap period, Calvary, and then there's some things in Daniel 9 that have to take place. And then what was to happen? Then we have the signing of the contract with the Antichrist and that 70th week. See, he's getting prepared for that. But we also have that Acts ministry that, that they're to get rid, ready for and they're to, to move along. So he, he sends them away. He's preparing them to go through the tribulation. That's what he's preparing them for. Now watch verse 45. Just catch a detail here. The end of that verse, he sends the disciples away but then he says, while he sent away the people. So come back to John 6. Why does he send the people away? He sends the disciples out, getting them ready. But then he turns and sends the multitude away. Well, John 6.15 helps us with that. We read it just a minute ago. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by what? Force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea. Notice, what are the people, going, what are the people trying to do in verse 15? They're trying to make him king. But he knows better. He knows that it isn't, he isn't going to be king by their will, by their will effort how's he going to be king he's going to be king because the father's will says he's king timing it isn't time yet that's a given but more they were going to take him and by force make him king because he fed them and the christ wasn't going to allow this one it's not time for him to be king but nor is him being a king based on human effort and human will it's based on the will of the father so the timing issue, but also the issue of, of the will of the Father being accomplished. So really what you see here is the restraint, the self-restraint of, of the Lord. He could have easily said, yeah, okay, make me king, but he understood differently, he understood better, and there he goes. So he goes up into the mountain. Come back to Mark 6. We could stay in John 6, but we're teaching Mark 6. By the way, John 6 has a whole bunch more stuff in there. He's going to go into the issue about the, him being the bread of life and what the bread was all about. Mark doesn't do that. Mark says, bottom line it, here's what we're after, because we're going to get into chapter 7 and we're going to do something else now. 
So look here at 646. He sends the people away, verse 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a, a mountain to pray. Again, he goes up into the mountain there, a picture of, uh, of him going up into heaven, making intercessory and so forth. He's alone. He, he's up meditating. He's up you know, praying, obviously. Verse 47, and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Several things going on there. Come over to chapter 13 of Mark. Mark 13. Now, in... Israel's counting of the night, okay, the night. There are four parts to the night, all right, 12-hour period, but there's four parts, just like the day has four parts in it, okay? Look at uh, Mark 13, look, if you will, at verse 35. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, which commanded the potter to watch. Similar thing we got going on in Mark 6. He leaves. He's leaving his disciples in charge. He's given them the, 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 the duty to carry on, to occupy while he's gone. And he goes and, and he's watching. Verse 35. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, okay, so that's 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., all right? Then we have midnight, all right, midnight, and that'll be 9 p.m. to 12. Then we have cock crowing. You remember Peter three times, and that'll go midnight to three. And then you have, what's the last one? I just had it. Morning. Duh. <laughs> then you have morning, which is three to six a.m. That's how you, that's how they count out the four nights, the four watches of the night. Now, think about this. Go back to chapter six of Mark. When did they start? 647. And when even was come. They started here. They start there. They're out working. They're out rowing and toiling and everything. He goes up, prays, looks out and says, okay, the fourth watch of the night. So here's one, two, three. Here, he decides to go down there. They've been at it a while. They've been at it for, if, say he, they started at 6 and he went out at 3. They've been at it for a, long, for a good 9 hours. Even if he goes at 9 and comes out at 6, they, they, they're, they're not exactly been out there for just a few minutes. They've been out there a while. And he's going to go out there. And he's going to, he goes out into that fourth watch of the night. He goes out into the dark, the darkness. You remember, where God is, God is light, and in God there is no darkness. See, What does he do? He goes out into the night. Who is he? He's the light, and off he goes. So he goes out. He, again, at the end of the night, notice it's not at the beginning of the night. He goes out at the end of the night, and he goes into it. There's a thing out there where it uh, talks about uh, the midnight cry, the midnight out, the second coming, the advent, the second coming is the midnight cry. It's the fourth watch of the watch cry. Well, they use they use the wrong miracle. They use that one in Matthew with the. Uh, with with the um, 
bridegroom and all the guys watching and so forth. <laughs> no, it's the second coming is not the midnight cry. By the way, midnight is here. Say, it's, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, come back with me to Psalms 93. So he goes out and he walks on the water. He walks upon the sea. And that's the miracle, is him walking on the water. Uh, Psalms 93. By the way, they go out into the tribulation. Whoops. Okay. They go out into the tribulation and they have to endure to the end. They got to work it out. They got to stay the course and he'll come back and rescue them. Uh, Psalms 93. Uh, again, it's the second coming of Christ Psalm. Verse 1, the Lord, the Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty, the Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself, the world also established, that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice, the floods lift up their ways. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Notice, the second coming is associated with the waves, storms, the storms on the waves, and the Lord being what? On high, able to take care of it coming back so the miracle again it's exactly what we're seeing in mark 6 we're seeing the pictures the picture here the type here's the disciples on the sea again it's a picture of of what they're ex going to experience in the tribulation in that 70th week and then we see the power of jehovah come and deliver them so when you come back to Mark 6, they are sent out, and again, in his absence, they, they are doing the Acts ministry. They're occupying till he comes, and they're out there in his absence. Again, after his death and his ascension, he knows that's coming. They don't know that yet. He's training them for that day when he's ascended. He's training them for that day in Acts 1 when the angel looks at him and says, what you guys looking up there for? Because as you saw him go in the clouds, he's coming back the same way. Now get in town and let's get to work. He's teaching them. Not only can I provide what you're going to need physically, feeding of the 5,000, but I will also provide the safety for you, the protection for you, just Trust me, I am Jehovah. Trust me. So Mark 6 now, verse 48. <clears throat> For the wind was contrary. Again, a picture of the, of the opposition, the course of the world coming up against them. Now he comes walking upon the sea and would have passed by them. He comes walking out there, and he's waiting for them to recognize him. He's waiting for them to acknowledge him. Now, let's think about this. They're out in the middle of a storm, and they look up, and there's a guy walking on the water. Now, I don't know what your thoughts would be, but you know what their thoughts were? Verse 49. That's what they thought. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. They think it's a ghost. This isn't natural for somebody to be walking on the water. Now, they, what, what they should have done was recognized it to be him, Jehovah, Messiah. But they don't. They, they're sitting there looking at it going, you know, they're rowing away. And they, you know, old Pete goes, hey, look at that. Oh, huh? What? What's a spirit? A ghost. You know, oh, you know, any, mini money mo. you know, let's get out of here. And yet, they miss the fact that it's him. Now, what this demonstrates, 
And what this is teaching the little flock, the, the 12, is that what is con- their circumstance is what's controlling their thinking, not the doctrine of what God's doing. What happens in the 70th week? You've got to take the mark of the beast to do what? To eat, buy and sell and have. So in the midst of all of that opposition, if you let, by the way, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and he will add what? All these things to you? That's the doctrine? If they, had, if they stay the course, if they endure to the end, what's he going to do with them in the kingdom? He's going to job them. He's going to double up everything. He's going to give them back double the portion. See? But, if, but the circumstances are going to be so terrible that if they don't fix their thinking on what God's doing, you know what will happen? The adversary will get them and will move them. So the miracle in verse 48 is him walking on the water, but their reaction to the miracle is they still aren't getting it. They're verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. He, they're just not getting it. Now, verse 50, But they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. He doesn't blast them for missing him. He doesn't ignore them. He, he yeah, I, I, could you imagine the Lord? I'm just going to walk by here and see if they see me. If they don't see me, I'm just going to keep walking. <laughs> see, he doesn't do that. He takes the, op- rather, he takes the opportunity to educate them, to edify them. He talks with them. I love that. And immediately he talked with them. He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait till they get back to the shore. By the way, he doesn't wait for Peter to get out of the boat and come to him. That's about where this is taking place, okay? That's over in Matthew. That, actually, that is only in Matthew's account where Peter gets out of the boat to come to him. But what does he do? He says he does the miracle, and yet they fail to know who he is. And that tells you about people and miracles. People will say, show me a miracle, and I'll what? I'll believe. But yet they don't, do they? There's no way. They see the miracle, his own disciples, his own apostles, they see the miracle, and they don't believe it's him. And rather, he's got to say to them, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now, when he says that, come over to Isaiah 25. They, the, they miss the miracle, yet when he says to them, be of good cheer, it is I. See, th- what causes them to recognize him is his word. That's what causes them to recognize him. They miss the miracle, yet when he says, be, be of good cheer, it is I, then they recognize who he is. And that is Isaiah 25. So get over there to Isaiah. So when he says, I am, it is I, he's saying, I'm Jehovah, guys. Look at Isaiah 25, uh, verse number 9. Again here, a passage about the kingdom, the deliverance of Israel, and the triumphs of their kingdom and so forth. Isaiah 25, verse 9. And it shall be said in that day, lo, this is our God, we have waited for him. And he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. We're waiting for him. We're trusting him. He will provide. He will deliver. So we are of what? Good cheer. Because we trust him. That's the the scenario here. So every time you see God say, be of good cheer, Isaiah 25, 9, that issue of the kingdom, the establishment of the kingdom, the rejoicing that comes to them when he delivers them into the kingdom. So when you come back to Mark 6, we can 
in verse 51, whoops, Mark 6, 51, they recognize him only by his word. That's the point. And the word is, be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Verse 51, Mark 6, 51. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Again, that thing there in, ver in chapter 4, verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They they're still not getting it. They're sore amazed, 651, in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. <clears throat> they're just not getting it. He does this miracle. He walks on the water. He's training them. He's teaching them. He has to say to them, be of good cheer. It is I. That's the only reason why they recognize him, and they still don't get it. Now, in verse 52, for their heart was hardened. They're, to have your heart hardened means that you're re they're resisting getting what's going on. Okay? It's sitting right in front of them. But they're still not able, they're still not able to understand it. Sunday, we're going to talk about Israel in Romans 11 and them being blinded. God blinded them, but Israel blinded themselves as well. God says, here's the truth. You believe it or not, that's up to you. Here's the truth. They don't believe him, so he says, okay, here's, the here's more truth. They don't believe him. Here's more What's going on here? Here's the doctrine, guys. Here's the message. Here's the miracle that supports and demonstrates the message to be true. And you guys just are, you're thick-headed. Come on, you know. Now, it, this isn't unbelief in that they're going to go to hell in the lake of fire. It's just, it's unbelief in that they're, they're just, they're babies. They're babes in Christ, we would say today. They're just not catching on. And what Mark is doing here is right, right, bef right before they're going to go in and do, here he is having to rescue them. Now what Mark does here is he puts, in chapter 6, all these events together. Okay? And he demonstrates what's happening dispensationally in Israel's program right here in time. What's happening. John the Baptist has been murdered. Israel is, in, is rejecting. They're in rebellion to the truth. The disciples get sent out to teach and to preach and to do the miracles. And as they go out, the opposition rises up. And yet, what does the Lord do? Feeds the 5,000, I'll provide for you. In the face of opposition, I'll provide. By the way, there's 12 baskets left over. Right? He uses the apostles to do the deliverance of the food and all that. So you have a picture of the, of the little flock taking care of the whole nation. The 12 apostles, the little flock, picture of the flock, taking care of. That's why it's 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. What's happening there? We're seeing the hierarchy. Then, now they're in the storm, contrary wind, great tribulation, great struggle. And you know what he does? He comes in and he says, I'm going to provide not only your need, but I'm now going to provide your security, your deliverance, your safety. Let's get back to shore now. So they get back to shore. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of, of the Gennarizites, Gennesaret, yeah, that's kind of, and drew to the shore, so they make it home. They make it to safety. 
And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him. And ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whither so he entered into villages or cities or countries, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch uh, if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. When they get off the ship, verse 53 there, they get to the verse 54, they knew him. The they there is not the disciples, because they got that out on the water. It's rather the people in town. They know who he is. You know what they do? That's him. They're over there. That's him. Oh, we got to go get Aunt Margaret. Let's go get her. Hey, I got to go get Sister B. I get, because what are they doing? They're collect. They know who he is, and they bring all to him to get healed. That This completes our picture. John the Baptist is murdered. They go out. The opposition, in spite of the opposition, the Lord's going to take care of them, provide for them, and protect for them. Now come back to Isaiah 33, because here it is in Isaiah, he, where he's accomplishing, he's fulfilling this, Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33 is all about the Lord's coming. Verse 22, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Thy tacklings are loosed, they could not well strengthen their mast, they could not spread the sail, then is the prey of a great spoil divided, the lame taken prey. There he, here he is, he's here. Now watch verse 24. And the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Why? He set up the kingdom. When he sets up the kingdom, they're going to say, the sick is gone, no more sickness, no more health, none of that. He literally reverses the, bond, the curse on creation. You know why you get sick and hurt? Because Romans 8, the curse of the creation. Thank you, Adam. You think of Adam on, when, he got, when God cursed Adam and he's going to toil and the weeds are going to get him and all this stuff and it's the sweat of his face, the brow and everything. I mean, that's, thanks, Adam. Appreciate that, man. What does he do here? He completely reverses that. So the picture, he goes away. The disciples are in trouble, the tribulation. He comes back delivers them, gets them to the shore. Come back there to Mark 6. And yet what happens? Man, he heals the whole nation. The restoration of the whole nation is accomplished. So what you see here is Christ demonstrating a, a picture, a dispensational picture, that literally confirms the word, the message that he's been preaching and his preparing of that little flock to go out and to do what he's going to ask them to go and do. And he's going to return with the kingdom blessing after he's what? Delivered them. They are not quite getting it. They're still kind of baby and babes, and they're still struggling with it. So he's going to bring them along. Now there's a point to remember in Mark 6, in verse 56 there, about they touch of it where the border, were but the border of his garment. Now we've seen that in chapter 5, with the woman with the issue of the blood. And she touches him, his garment, and again, that pulls you back to Deuteronomy 22, where Moses tells them you take, go back there to Deuteronomy 22, just so you see it, and just to remember it. Because what it's, it's painting a picture of the Lord. Deuteronomy 22, 11, Thou shalt not wear a garment of divers sort, as of woolen and linen together. Verse 12, Thou shalt make three fringes upon the four corners of thy vestment, wherewith thou coverest thyself. He comes and he is dressed just as the law said he was to be dressed. He is 
in, in, in Mark 5, he says when the woman touched him, his virtue left. Virtue there is the righteousness that he possessed because he was Jehovah the Messiah. Okay? In Jeremiah 23, they, they call him the Lord our righteous. So the in in six in in six Mark six fifty six they are they recognize him as Messiah. He's the one who we need to help us. He's our righteousness. He's our guy. Uh, come over to Malachi four, the end of the Old Testament. Here, here four two Malachi four two. Here's the. Here it is. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, capital S, of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. That's what he's doing. Here he is. They understand that. They're, they're right there. He's the one. Again, the whole flow here of Mark is to show us that Christ was teaching it, and then he demonstrated it with the miracle. And the disciples were just a little slow at the moment. Actually, it takes after the resurrection, Luke 24, where he opens their eyes that it finally all clicks. Actually, on the day of the resurrection, come over to Mark 16. The day of the resurrection, they still don't understand the, the, the scriptures, John says. They still got to be educated. Look how Mark 16 ends. Again, the flow of Mark is to show us that Christ taught it and then he demonstrated it. So the miracles are designed to confirm the doctrine being taught. Mark 16, 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Those two great signs, heal the sick, cast out the unclean spirits. The two great signs of the, co of the kingdom. What's he doing? He's out doing it. Paul says Israel, the Jew requires a sign. The Greeks seek after what do they need? They need to see it. It started with Moses. Three great signs. Two of them, I actually. Two, the two great signs, the rod and the leprous hand. They won't sign one. By the way, they're not going to believe it, so here's sign two. And by the way, they ain't going to believe that. Sign three was the turning of the water and the wine. Okay? So, and the blood. Water and the wine, that's Cana, close enough. Okay, Mark 7. We'll pick up with Mark 7 next time because then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And now he's going to deal once again with the religious element and he's going he's to literally skin them alive here. He's going to tan their hide to the wall, as they say. And he's going to do it in a rather non-gracious manner, but yet do it as who he is, and that is Jehovah. That is the Messiah. So we'll see that next time, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for everything that we have in your Son. In your name we pray. Amen.